hello everybody before we get into the show today we're just going to remind you that we've got an instagram we've got a twitter we've got a patreon if you want to be a co-conspirator feel free to follow us on all of those and if you're watching this on youtube like subscribe hit the bell we're pretty heavily suppressed so if you want to know when something new comes up you're going to have to be paying attention thanks guys and enjoy the show Ford Explorers to this <clears throat> another hour of the Acid like Cat that. Spirit. <laughs> yeah, do you like that? For the audio <laughs> listeners, they have no idea that I just did something stupid. Well, they, I mean, they should be confident. That I <laughs> yeah, yeah, they can imagine. Yeah. You did a cool little arm move for audio <laughs> listeners. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, for those who don't know, I'm the Colonel. This is Caleb, my son, uh, and this is the Acid Cat Spirit Hour, where we talk about all the weird things in the world. Um, yeah. Before we get into today's main story, which is a pretty fun one, we're talking about the World Cup trophy getting stolen and found by Pickles the Crime Dog. Uh, we wanted to get into a couple news stories that we saw that kind of tickled our fancy. I wanted to start with a fun one, which is uh, it, those maybe at home remember. Recently, uh, hackers got into EA uh, and got some of their source code, most specifically got the FIFA source code. And since we're yeah. talking about the World Cup today, it seemed very appropriate. It's very coincidental news yeah well this kind of came up the subject came up anyway over all this talk about the trophy not coming home this is like one of the best stories of the trophy never coming home again this is the time that the world cup trophy went out for a pack of smokes and never came home again uh but anyway so uh those hackers unsuccessfully tried to ransom the mm -hmm. source code for everything there's no personal information but it was all the information for fifa uh source code all that stuff didn't work. EA was like, we don't care. So today, it's all, as of today, it's all available. So if you know your way around the dark web and you know how to find this stuff, enjoy uh, playing with FIFA now. I'm sure that some ordinary gamers will probably have a, a post about it today. But yeah, uh, go have fun with FIFA since you can just play it on your own now. Go play some internet soccer without paying $60. Yeah, and bring back that cool monster soccer game. That game oh, yeah, was really that was fun. fun. Yeah, somebody do that, please. What's your first story, Gil? My first story is a small town in Florida, Brooksville, Florida. Uh, made an unfortunate deal with a man. <laughs> that sounds right. Was he a Florida man? He was a Florida man. So Florida man uh, named Bobby to, Reed. It's hard to make a fair deal with a Florida man. <laughs> uh, he made out like a bandit. <laughs> so Bobby Reed was interested in buying this small little building that was right in front of Brooksville's water tower. Bobby's a good name for a con man. Yeah. Well, he didn't con. That's the thing. Okay. So, for $55,000, he set out to buy this property that sat in front of the town's water tower. But the municipality messed up and sold him the water tower. So this man not only got the building he wanted, but also the city's water tower for $55,000. And as soon as he got the paperwork and stuff and realized, he's like, oh, I own the water tower now? He went to City Hall and he was like... <laughs> I'm pretty sure you messed up. I shouldn't own the water tower. And they're like, you are correct. You should not. We <laughs> you will promptly take that. that back. That's not for you. Basically, what it came down to is you can parcel out land uh, from its parent parcel. Okay. And they meant to split the property in half right where the water tower and this building meet because they don't use the building anymore. So they were going to sell him the building, split the parcel, and keep the water tower. Sure. 
Well, the paperwork to do that just got lost. So they just gave them the whole lot. So they never did the parceling <laughs> it out. So they just sold them the whole lot. And so, yeah, they accidentally sold him the full property. And uh, he was like, I shouldn't own this. And they're like, you are correct. I would give them back control, but I would definitely hang on to the water tower. Wouldn't I you? would paint it. Yeah. Well, you, yeah, you John Deere Green. Yeah. No, you got it. There's a shout out for the Boomer Country fan. My dad was in country radio when I was a kid. That's the only reason I know that. Um, yeah, like you paint your, you know, your lover's name on the water tower, that sort of thing. Around uh, Louisville, Kentucky, there's a town called Florence, Kentucky, which is just right outside of Cincinnati. And when there's a sign ordinance in that town, and when the mall was built mm -hmm. in the 80s, they tried to get around the sign ordinance by painting the name of the mall on the water tower. And the city was like, no, absolutely not. But they'd already done it. And they're like, you got to take it off there. And they're like, we can't afford to do that. And they're yep. like, well, you got to fix it. And they're like, okay, we'll fix it. So now, if you're driving past <laughs> the Florence, Kentucky on the freeway, there's a water tower that just reads, Florence, y'all. Because all they wanted to change was the M to a Y. <laughs> and they put an apostrophe. Now it just says Florence, y'all. And it is a beloved local attraction. That's, so that makes me think of. That's I what I would do. I would just paint my name and then y'all under it. That's one of my top three. Acid cat, y'all. Favorite water towers. There's the Florence, y'all one. <laughs> There's one in a weird small town in, in Indiana called Gas City. Uh, I went there, uh, as we've talked on the show earlier when we were talking about cars in our James Dean episode, they have the James Dean Festival in Gas City. Yeah. Well, the Gas City water tower is in Comic Sans. <laughs> it's in bright blue Comic Sans, and it just says Gas City. Dude, that's, um, that is satire through and through. And then that it feels course, like a Tim and Eric bit. There's one in Georgia that's a giant peach. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. There's, a, there's, some really, there's some real fun ones in Hollywood, too. Uh, so the second piece of news I wanted to talk about is, uh, as we're seeing... You know, continued fallout over last year. Um, those who participated in protests are still having their doors kicked in and stuff for no good reason. Uh, and uh, uh, the most recent case that I found that there was a couple of Minnesota that were caught on tape allegedly starting a fire during the protests, during the Floyd protests, which one fire is very... Yeah. <laughs> All of this just feels like insurance companies putting cops up to it. It's like when people get kicked out of houses. Like, what's happening right now today people getting mass if you're a landlord go to hell because the mass evictions that are going to start today are going to cause a problem that this country has never seen mm -hmm. and it's gonna we really should have taken care of that moratorium uh anyway so a couple was chased basically through seven states and through mexico using facial recognition software that is currently illegal and banned in of all places china yeah. Interesting. Yeah, well, what you were seeing, you know, we saw it a little bit. I mean, we're seeing it now with, uh, oh, what's it called? Why can't I think? What's the cell phone? Why can't I think of what it's called? The NSA? No, the thing that killed Jamal Khashoggi. What's that app oh, called? Oh, we, uh... Exactly. What's, why is it right there? Pegasus. Pegasus. Yes. So with, sorry, everybody. I'll edit that much longer so it's even more brutal. <laughs> we'll slow-mo it. <laughs> yeah, we'll put a dial tone in there. Uh, but, you know, Pegasus, it's the same idea. It's this technology that we're starting to see it's not China where these technologies are coming from. It's the Middle East. Yeah. And that's the same story here. So we're seeing a lot more dangerous things happen um, and being allowed through countries like Israel to develop these technologies that are a lot more dangerous than whatever China's up to. I mean... I'm not talking about the Uyghurs, I'm not talking about any of the awful politics or inhumanity. I just mean like the greater conspiracy theorists mm -hmm. as they're landing a rover on Mars to meet up with ours, which I can't, that better be a BattleBot situation. I know that that's literally a storyline from Space Force. Spoiler alert, if you're going to watch it, don't. You're welcome. Just go listen to Kokomo and get stoned. It's the same experience. <laughs> but there's a, the, the 
Did you watch it? Yes. Yeah. The two rovers that mm-hmm. are, like, there's a Chinese rover sent to damage our rover, to sabotage our rover. Speaking of sabotage, that's what Fred Durst, Fred sabotage. Durst this weekend looked like a member of Beastie Boys in the sabotage video. I think he looked fantastic, and I'm very proud of him. I saw a picture of him and Mark Ribollet together, and it was just the most perfect photo. That's fun. That is Lollapalooza. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is exactly uh, what it is. This isn't my next article, but with Lollapalooza being this past weekend, I did see a fun video where uh, a week ago, a guy went to Grant Park and buried a bunch of alcohol. Uh, and then when he showed up to Lollapalooza, dug he dug it up and started selling it to that people. That dude rolls. That it, dude fucking rolls. I want everybody to do that at every festival. Right now, somebody go to the Indio Polo Grounds and bury like 500 kegs and then just run some taps because they'll stay cold. If they're yeah. you know below six feet, they'll yep. stay cold. So just run taps, have gas at the top. I'm giving you a great idea. Please, somebody go do this. I would love to see it. It'd be funny, be funny to do it like the Super Bowl mm-hmm. have it buried in the field one of the players stops so and jumps like, out and digs and they pull pulls out, out a beer <laughs> it's, a, it's a loose cup of beer so it's like full of dirt and everything and he's like man I planted this two weeks ago it's like flat and muddy that's um, good old squirrely Shirley but speaking of finding that's what a buried things, drink is to be called it's a squirrely Shirley oh interesting yeah um, I'm a bar guy I get to make that decision a man in southwestern Atlanta, yes, uh, was standing close in his backyard, Florida. close to Florida, upper Florida. This is all Florida. <laughs> um, was standing Dude, in his it's backyard until you get to the Cumberland Gap. That's true. Yeah, uh, was standing in his backyard and saw this bright pink pillowcase stashed in one of his bushes. And he's like, "I didn't put that there. What is it?" And he grabs it. He opens it up, and there's a green metal box inside. <laughs> and he's like, "Well, this is interesting." He pulls it out, and on the side it says "cartridges for weapons." He's like, huh? And Should so I put this back down? Can I put this back down? He pops it open. Inside were 30 armor-piercing grenades. Holy uh, they're crap. called 40 mics. Um, they yeah, are how not... are they different? Because, like, oh, isn't every, can't every grenade pierce armor? It's so, a grenade. These are 40 mics. These aren't the grenades you're thinking where you hold and pull the pin and throw them. Okay. 40 mics are the ones that are 40-millimeter uh, squatted grenades that you put into a grenade launcher oh mm-hmm. oh heard okay uh the mk19 launcher yeah, those yeah well these are chained together because this is like a it, what the fuck is this it shoots them nearly a mile okay uh, every second holy crap yes um so they come in chains of 32 okay and they are armor piercing when the bomb unit found out they come in a pink pillowcase they evacuated five houses in both directions because the rounds can penetrate three inches of steel and have a kill radius of nearly 50 feet. Holy shit. So when he found this box and called it in, they're like, everyone in the neighborhood kind of leave for a bit. Yeah, if you guys could just, like, get the fuck out of here. So they ended up finding out that it was on a train going from Florida to Pennsylvania. Okay. And somewhere along the way, someone stole it. Okay. They're not sure where or when, and that's a big thing that has come to light that this the story, US military. We're going to hear a follow-up story, oh, yeah. but this is going to be in the headlines next week. The U.S. military does not have something in place to keep track of rail shipments. It's up to the independent rail companies. That's the most irresponsible exactly. thing. Exactly. That's interesting, too, because I used to, when I lived in Arizona, I lived in Flagstaff. And Flagstaff, I only say that because Flagstaff is the most, they have the most trains per day than mm-hmm. any other city. And as you get all that east-west traffic, L.A., like, that all goes through there. Yeah. Which was great when you're a train-hopping punk kid. Well, it's 
basically why I became a train hopping punk kid. Um, but the military trains would come through all the time. And it's funny to think, I remember once a train had to stop that had radioactive equipment on it. And when it had to stop, or radioactive equipment, it was radioactive waste. Yeah. And there's a lot of uranium and shit in Arizona. And uh, when they pulled it over, there was like a, like a, uh, my words are not with me today, but there was like a, a fence around it. Like mm. they made sure that you couldn't come within a certain range because it was so caustic. And I find that to be interesting. So to know that experience, I'm basically in my mind right now, I'm pairing that experience as a youngster with the fact that you just told me they have no way to track that. Yep. And I'm just thinking, well, if you needed a fence, if I couldn't get 20 feet within it, you should probably know where it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the two things, the two big things to come out of this is. One, the guy that found it is cleared. He has no idea how they wound up in his yard. That's good. But, like I said, there were 30 grenades. These get shipped in 32. Oh, there are two. There are two missing grenades out there. Th within 30 mics? Uh, 40 mics. 40 mics. 40 millimeters. Interesting. Five, I always thought five mics was the highest you could get. But I guess not. Yeah. That's a hip. That's a hip. If Ryan listened to the podcast, he would like that joke. <laughs> he doesn't, though, so he won't hear it. All right. Well, th those are some fun little bits. We like to talk about a little bit of the chaos that's going on around us. The weird, weird world around us. Yeah, because we talk about sort of the, the smaller stories, too. So, yeah, today we are talking about theft. It's funny that you talk about that guy finding that in that pillowcase. Also, quickly, before we get into the main story, the pink pillowcase reminds me of, we won't talk about the Olympics very much because it's a mess, but you were telling me the story of the fencing team. You want to tell me that again? The pink masks, or the pink is what made me think of it. Yeah, so um, from what I heard, the fencing team, the U.S. fencing team at the Olympics, one of the contestants is a Alleged terrible person. Okay. He is under investigation for sexual assault. Okay. Um, and the rest of the team, there are four men on the men's fencing team, they wanted him pulled from the team. But the people that put it together were like, no, we don't, like, his investigation is still underway. We can't, like, press charges or anything. We don't have grounds to get him off the team. So he was still on the team. Well, while they were, the captain was handing out their fencing masks. The three guys, the three other guys, all wore pink masks, and they handed him a black mask. And at, he had no idea what was going on, but at a press conference after, they're like, that dude's a piece of shit. We don't want him on the team. We wore the pink masks in solidarity for the women he abused. Jeez. He's an outsider. Get him off our team. God damn. Yeah, that's wild. But yeah, that's I. What a. I mean, I'm not going to dig into that because I don't know the details. If he yeah. did it, he deserves that. Yeah. But what a sign of solidarity from the rest of his team. I think that's cool. But yeah, it made me think when you were telling me that story, I was thinking of like, uh, uh, like Pussy Riot, and it made me think of you mm. know like the pink balaclavas. Yeah, spring break. But I, it's funny that this was in a pink bag. I wonder if it was like a red bag that lost its dye or something. Because that seems like something you would probably want to make very visible. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know a whole lot about... I'm sure we have plenty of people... Of the people who listen to the show, the likelihood that some of you know about military arms is very high. So if you want to let us know if that stuff's usually shipped in a red bag or not, please do. But yeah, what a wild story. Uh, yeah, so today we want to talk about another time that a very important thing got stolen, was found in a bag. Yep. Uh, it was stolen again after that, but we'll get to all of that. Today we're talking about uh, the FIFA World Cup, the actual World Cup victory herself. Yes. Um, the trophy that you win when you win the World Cup. The beautiful, it's, I'll put a, obviously, I'll put a, I'll make this real small and there'll be a picture of it, but it's a gold, it's a silver, sterling silver trophy um, that depicts Nike. It kind of looks like an Oscar mm -hmm. and it's got a little cup in the top. It's gold plated and it sits on, um, what's it called? Lapis uh, Lazuli. Yeah. 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 Uh, so it's like kind of a, a black, dark blue jewel base. Um, yeah. That, that's the actual trophy, much like, you know, like the, 
Wow, I can't even remember the name of the Super Bowl trophy. Look at me. Lambo. Yeah. Yeah, Lambo. Lambo Field will do it. Um, yeah, so anyway, it was stolen. But before mm-hmm. we get into its theft, Caleb, why don't you give us a little history on that trophy? Yeah, so uh, the Jules Rimet trophy uh, was the original prize for winning the World Cup, uh, the FIFA World Cup specifically. And like you said, it was named Victory, but it, it, over time it's known as the World Cup or the Coupe de Monde. Yeah, uh, but that's French for... Cut of the world. Yes. Cup of the world. So it's a two-door world. Is what well, coupe de monde. I say that because coupe actually means cut. So coupe, fun fact, coupe was a wine glass. So like a coupe glass, like a champagne coupe or something like that, was designed to be a wine glass. There's, you know, stories that it was like uh, um, Queen Mary's breast size or yeah. whatever. That's not true. It's a coupe glass. It means that it's cut. Same reason you call it convertible, a coupe, it's because it's cut. That's what coupe means. So you take a wine glass and you cut all the wine glass part off of it and just you keep just the part that holds the juice, just the six ounce part, you get yourself a coupe. Do you know why a uh, chicken coop has two doors? <laughs> no. It's a bit different, because uh, if I had four, it'd be a chicken sedan. Um, if it had uh, five, it'd be a chicken shooting break. It'd be a chicken hatchback. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> so, this was just called Victory for the longest time, but in 1946, to honor uh, Jules Rimet, the ex-FIFA president, who in uh, 1929 actually passed the vote to initiate the World Cup. Yeah. Uh, he was like, hey. Well, yeah, the World Cup was his idea. Yeah, the World Cup was his idea. And when he passed in 1946, they named it after him. So it was the Jules Rimet Trophy. And like you said, it was a gold-plated sterling silver trophy on a lapis lazuli base with Nike. Her wings are expanded. She appears to be holding something, but it's hard to tell what it is. That's a weird move on a trophy to make it difficult to decipher. Yes. Like, I've always liked the Grammy, because it, it, you can look at that and you know not only uh, that it's a trophy, but you know what that person got that trophy for. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a bowling trophy. Um, after a bunch of people won, the lapis lazuli base was actually replaced with a taller one. Well, yeah, because you um, need more room for plaque. Yeah, the Stanley Cup. The Stanley Cup used to legitimately just be a cup, and now and it's now like, its base is like because they 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 just all the teams that have won. Everybody gets to have their name on it. Uh, it was fourteen inches high and weighed uh, eight point four pounds. That's a decent. That's a heavy trophy. And when the Jules Rimet Trophy was uh, taken to Uruguay for the first FIFA World Cup. Um, it sat in France for a while. Okay. Uh, and on, it moved from Uruguay to France in the 1930s, and then it made its way to Italy, um, and then back to Uruguay, and then to Italy. There was a big, well, yeah, a big feud between the two. And of also, them. we should make it clear that a lot of this stuff was taking place in South America because there was a thing going on in the world yes. in the 30s and the 40s yes. uh, that prevented most of the normal hosting countries, say like. Italy or Germany mm-hmm. from hosting the World Cup tournament. There wasn't. It got played in South. I mean, obviously South America is huge, but yes. Uruguay and stuff like that. There was a reason for this. But it popped all around from France, Romania to Belgium, and then once the 30s hit, it went to Uruguay, and then in 1938, Italy won. And uh, at this time, there was a thing going on that if you won, your country took it and put it on display. It was every year. Yeah, it it's coming home. Thing. That's what yes. the yeah. So in 19- that's how we're making fun of England today. <laughs> in 1938, uh, Italy wins, and I don't know if you know a whole lot about 1938, but there's a little thing going on. Yeah, uh, and that's World War II. So uh, Ontario uh, Barisi. I mean, as far as soccer is concerned, the world was at war starting in you know 
1917. Yeah. Realistically. Yeah. Oh, and World War One. Sneak sneak preview. We're going to get into World War One next week. We will. Yeah. We will get into World yeah. War One anyway, next week. Back to World War Two and soccer. So the Italian vice president of FIFA, uh, the trophy was in Italy, and he knew that. Nazis were going around. We're gonna get flagged for that. Yeah, but, but I mean, our pod, like yeah. and subscribe, like yeah. the video, like the video, share it with somebody because we yeah we're gonna talk about the Nazis and that every time that happens, our videos get tanked. So he knew the Nazis were going around getting art and artifacts and collectibles and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean that was their whole deal. They were collecting every artifact they could. They were taking every religious artifact, every piece of art. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he knew that the trophy. Google the story of Guernica, the painting. Uh, he knew that the trophy was being held in a bank in Rome, and he was like, that's going to get stolen. That's going to get stolen by the Nazis. Like, they can't get their hands on it. So he secretly... It's honestly pretty amazing that they hadn't stolen it by then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially in Italy. Oh, yeah. Like, in a country that was allied mm -hmm. and had been allied since the beginning. So he secretly goes to this bank, and he's like, hey, it's me, you know, the vice president of FIFA. I would like our trophy, please. And they're like, yeah, no, that makes sense. He then puts it in a shoebox, <laughs> takes it home, and slides it under his mattress. I mean, hide it in plain sight, right? Yeah. If you were worried that the Nazis were going to come and get it, they, they do not think that the World Cup is in a shoebox under your bed. Um, and so he protects it. World War II ends. Nothing happens. Uh, well, no, a lot happened. A lot happened in World War II. <laughs> nothing happens with the trophy. Yeah, it stayed safe throughout World War II in a shoebox, which is very harrowing. Yes. Yeah, man. Um, and then... The life of this cup. It then goes back to bouncing around each year. Like, yeah. you win, you get the trophy. You win, you get the trophy. And every cup winner, because of one Brazilian captain, uh, Geraldo Bellini, he, when Brazil won, all the reporters were like, let's see the trophy, let's see the trophy. So there's an iconic picture of him hoisting the trophy in the air. That picture was so iconic that every year since 1958, when a team wins the World Cup, they take their captain photo. has to lift it up, hold it as high as he can in the air, and the uh, press takes that photo. Yeah. That became a tradition that year. Now, uh, we go through the years. It is now 1966. Yep. It is January of 1966. Made it through World War One. Made it through World War Two. Made it through Korea, kind of, mostly, on our way to Vietnam. <laughs> yes. So the World Cup is set to take place in July. <laughs> it is currently January. So the Football Association in England receives the trophy to put it on display before the World Cup. Sure. Because they'll have a little exhibit. They'll have the trophy there for you to go see. Yeah. And wherever the World Cup is being held holds the trophy. Uh, it's like all access at WrestleMania weekend. Exactly. Usually the trophy is held at the Football Association's headquarters in Lancaster Gate, apart from some publicity events. But in February, Stanley Gibbons' stamp company received permission to place the trophy in their stamp ex exhibition in March. How sick is that? Yeah, on condition that it would be under guard at all times. And it was insured for $30,000. Or 30,000 pounds, I yeah. should say. Yeah. Um, remember, it only eight, weighed 8.4 pounds, but 30,000. <laughs> it well, was a sterling and, silver. Yeah, because it was sterling silver. So what was its actual value? 3,000 pounds. Yeah, that's interesting. That you know, That's very rarely the case. A lot of times with like jewelry and stuff, you know, like it's kind of just about how much it's worth. Yeah. But again, this is the World Cup trophy, so... Let's steal it. So the exhibition was held in the Westminster Central Hall mm -hmm. and opened uh, March 19th of 1966. And like I said, the World Cup was going to take place in July. So this was going to be there until it had to be transferred. Until it went somewhere else. Exactly. So on one night, as on, it's sitting... On one night. 
as it's Once sitting, upon a dream. There are every night there are two uniformed guards always on the clock watching this trophy. This heist rules. It's like a, it really reminds me of uh, like a hitman level. I know yes. I say that in like every episode. But uh, it also reminds me of the big art heist that still hasn't been resolved in Boston. Mm. You know, just because they were wearing uniforms. Sorry, I won't spoil it. Tell them what happened. So, well, here's the thing. So, the condition was the trophy had to always be watched. And the way they did that is, if you're an audio listener, sorry, this is going to be hard for you. But imagine as I'm talking along, video watchers, just watch along. We're the two guards and we're pointed this way. Our sign is the trophy. The trophy in a case. So, we're pointed this way, guarding the trophy. But we're not always keeping an eye on it. And that's the important part. Another important part is that on Sundays, the Central Hall was used for Methodist services. It was held for church. Which brings us to Sunday, March 20th. So Sunday, March 20th, the guards began their noon circuit, which they swapped out. Two guards left, two new guards came in. And around 12.10, they're standing there facing forwards. And one guy's like, hey, have you looked at the trophy in a bit? And the other guy's like... No, of you. So they look, they turn, the trophy's gone. <laughs> Dude, that moment, that little moment. It's like uh, we've all had, you're familiar with it, um, goofs. Yes. I have a term called goof of the day. It's like a competition to see who can make the biggest mistake over the course of a day. Because I used to work with a bunch of pretty arrogant guys who, like, if you tried to correct them, would give you a hundred reasons about how they weren't wrong, mm-hmm. but they were really into being the best at whatever they were doing. So I was like, okay, well, why don't we just make being a screw up the competition, and whoever's the best at that wins nothing. Uh, but that's goof of the day, man. Like, <laughs> it's and that is that's the hitman part because you know, like in that game, their blind spots behind them are so abundant. You oh can yeah, do fucking anything. You can behind sprint a guard. behind them. You can kill like, somebody right behind them. It doesn't matter. You can kill them behind them usually. Yeah, so it's very funny the idea that they literally just like slid in behind and popped the trophy off and then they heard a coin in the distance they're like hey what was oh so there used to be a trophy right here how they did it is uh, it was glass on three sides and a wooden panel in the back well they turned around they realized that there was a wooden bar across that wooden panel that wooden bar was removed the doors or the the screws were removed the wooden bar was laying on the floor and they removed the screws and bolts that held it and they removed the padlock from the back of the display case and then they removed the door that's, I mean, that's clever. And they took the trophy and left the same way they came. They came in from the back. They left through the back. The guards didn't see or hear anything. That What a tense robbery. Like, you're because you, you know they're just right there on the other side. Yeah. And could you imagine if your cell phone alarm goes off? It's good that this was in the 60s. So it's funny you say cell phone alarm. The only thing that any of the guards saw, of course, all the guards got uh, interviewed and investigated. Yeah. Yes. Only one of the guards was like, the only suspicious thing I saw in that time since when we opened to 1210 when it was stolen was I went to go pee on the first floor, uh, in the bathroom, of course. And he said, <laughs> From the balcony of the third floor. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, Lowly as I was walking there, first floor guards. there's a weird looking dude piss. using the public telephone. But he's oh. like... I mean, that's not grounds for me to be like, hey, dude, what are you doing? It is in this country. Yeah. Texas just passed a law that uh, if you are, quote unquote, a migrant in a car, you can be pulled over. When I lived in Arizona when I was younger, there's a, it's still on the books, there's a piece of legislation uh, called SB 1070 that allowed basically the same thing. If you look like you might have to prove your residency of the country, they could pull you over. 
do Republicans realize that immigrants can also be white people? Yeah. Yeah, no, they don't. No. No, they don't. They do realize that this country is founded by people coming here illegally, right? No, they don't like that part either. They were born here. They are of this earth. Yeah, they popped out of the cornfields. Yeah, they're made out of American flags. (laughs) So, American flags that aren't made here. These Um, colors don't run, but this colon sure does. So, at this point, Scotland Yard takes over. They're like, well, this is a big thing. Yeah. Like, (laughs) we're in charge now. I like that you said that, like, it took any amount of time. They would show up right away. Scotland Yard was like, this is our case now. (laughs) And then they're like... We're too busy for this. Um, spoiler alert, this is my favorite name for any police squad or force or anything. They said, we're too busy. Us, Scotland Yard. Here, please take this case, Flying Squad. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's such a good name. It's, it makes me think of the Flying Nun. Yeah. Or the Flying Dutchman. So, officers uh, interviewed the guards and two maintenance workers. And then uh, they interviewed some of the churchgoers as well. And one of the churchgoers noticed a man... Um, and gave like a different description. It was the same guy at the telephone. So the story went Suspect public. Number one. The story went public across the world. Yeah. I mean, the World Cup. Yeah, the World Cup. The World Cup got trophy stolen. got stolen. <laughs> the Nazis didn't get it, but somebody else managed to. Um, and it wasn't like a, you know, it wasn't a smashing grab. It wasn't an obvious robbery. It was, it was silent. Yeah, it was just gone. They turned around and that fucker disappeared. So the police began uh, silent assassin suit only. The police began to look for the two potential suspects, the one telephone guy and another a churchgoer that was like, hey, I saw this guy. And they're like, all right. Um, and they gave descriptions to the newspapers, but the newspapers, or the descriptions the newspapers published didn't correspond with the ones that the police gave them. Oh, interesting. So they were getting all sorts of different, like... Are you saying that churchgoers are liars? Well, or, no, that's a sin. They or, can't do that. or unreliable, untrustworthy. How dare you? Believe in fake people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how many of them do you think were like, I saw God? Well, that doesn't help. <laughs> did you see anyone here today? I saw Jesus. It's like, yeah, but no, did you but see like, like anybody stealing trophy? a trophy? <laughs> this is suspect number one, and it's like a framed picture of Jesus. You know those pictures, the paintings of Jesus doing stuff for people, like famously him doing heroin for that guy? He's just stealing the trophy for somebody else. Reaching over and signing stuff for Trump. He was stealing it back, yeah. Just oh, stuff for Trump. I always love making this joke, and my family, who's probably watching, hates it when I make this joke. And I'm like, come on, guys, let Jesus into you, man. If you want to get saved, just let Jesus come inside you. And they're like, stop saying that. That's, that's what the Holy Spirit is. Yeah, just open yourself to him, let Jesus come inside you. It's how we got uh, jazz music. I saw La La Land. No, that was Ryan Gosling coming inside. Um, so a couple days passed, actually one day, and so Monday, the twenty-first of March. Okay. Uh, Joe Mears, the chairman of the Football Association, gets a phone call. A very mysterious phone call. <laughs> he is pissed and probably stressed as hell. He's like, "Dude, I gave this stupid fucking stamp company the World Cup, and now it's gone." And this happened yesterday. Oh man! And like historically, FIFA is a Pretty crooked organization. So if I was in his shoes, I would be like, fuck, I'm a dead man. They're yeah. going to kill me. I lost the trophy and they're going to kill me. So he gets his phone call and he picks it up. And we're going to do one of my uh, famous bits. If you haven't seen the Sugar episode, <laughs> oh, I yeah, did this bit. Uh, so Joe Mears is sitting there and he's ring a ding ding. And he's like, hello, Joe Mears, uh, chairman of the football association. The guy says, hey, how's it going? Um, you're going to receive a parcel at the Chelsea Football Club tomorrow, so keep a lookout for that. And he's like, huh, what do you mean? And he's like, cool, see ya. And hangs up. 
And so he's just like, all right, so something's supposed to be delivered for me at the Chelsea Football Club. So the next day, Tuesday comes around. He's waiting. There's a knock on his door. And they're like, hey, here's a parcel for you. We were supposed to deliver it to the Chelsea Football Club, but it has your name on it. And we know you live here. So yeah, we here know you who go. Are, so. Yeah, we know who you are. So we just brought it to your house. And he's like, no, this right. is a barum. It's supposed to be at the stadium. Uh, bring it back to last week's episode that envelope bomb that Om Shinrikyo sent to the chief of police and it yeah. blew his assistant's hand. Go watch that episode. <laughs> yeah, that was a crazy Well, they, they did it twice because when they went after the cop at the, when they were trying to get him on the train platform and it was raining so their stupid aerosolized gas wouldn't work. Yeah. So they went home and tried to shoot him and ended up shooting his whole damn family. So. Do, do listen to that episode. It's fucking crazy. He opens the parcel and inside, which in the most like, as we'll go through the story, I think this would make a great like Coen Brothers heist movie. It comes or something up, I like mean, that. That comes up a lot on this show because there are just we find some capers. What well, we've I pointed this out last week that we often find out that bad people do actually get the comeuppance they deserve. Mm-hmm. We find that pretty often in our research, but also. There's not been, like, a caper that hasn't been wacky. Yeah. Like, I, I think by definition, a grand heist has to be a zany idea. It and does. there's always going to be some cast of eccentric characters. Not because Hollywood thinks it's a good idea, but because weirdos are the only ones who need to rob a fucking art museum or something. Yeah, it's just fantastic. The, you really do find out that these people are exactly what you think. And the Coen brothers could adopt any one of these movies. Well, yes. Bloomhouse is doing The Beast of Jevenon, yes. right? Yeah. yeah. So... But, Keep uh, your eyes peeled for that one. As most Heistmer kidnapping movies go, I should say, is the family members or the chief of police will get a parcel in the mail and they'll yeah. open it and it'll be a it'll be a finger. What's in the a, box? Or a toe or an ear. Um, so Mears gets this parcel and he opens it up and he's <gasps> gasp. And inside is this removable lining that sits in the cup. Yeah, it looks kind of like a coffee filter. Yeah, <laughs> it's on the top of the cup. And so he sent me the underpants of Nike. Uh, the a removable lining from the top of the trophy is in this box alongside a ransom note that demands 15,000 pounds in ones and fives. And a recipe for killer salsa. <laughs> it was on the back side of one of the letters from like a food magazine. Man. He's like, I don't know what this is. He opens it wrong and he never sees the ransom letter. And he's like, I don't, why does this guy send me, somebody sent me a, a very tiny gift. Tart? They sent me a bowl and uh, a recipe for salsa. Huh. Oh, I can eat the salsa out of the bowl. This looks familiar. Um, the trophy guys just never hear back from him. They're like, what happened? <laughs> he gets another phone call and he's like, hey, thanks for the salsa recipe. That was a great gift. Who are you? <laughs> no, so he gets this letter that it demands 15,000 pounds and one in five pound notes. And the letter also stated that the football association should place a coded ad in the personal ads column of the evening news. <laughs> They're so like, hey, we want this money and to know you got this note and the little Yamaka um, put out an ad, a coded ad. And they're like, okay. And they're like, follow the further instructions and you'll get the trophy back by Friday. Otherwise, if you inform the police or press, we're going to melt the trophy. We're going to kill your wife. We're going to shoot this trophy. Dude, I'd like to think it's a gang of people and there's one guy that's like, yeah. Let's, they just watch too many heist movies and they're like, yeah, put that if they don't give us our money, we'll melt the trophy down. They're like, yeah, I like that idea. And there's the one guy that's like a cousin to one of the guys and he's like, yeah, I'd say we'll kill their kids. And they're like, dude, what the fuck? 
fuck? Why did you let him in? I told you no real criminals. Yeah, man, we're gonna go in. We're gonna we're gonna unscrew the door. We're gonna break the padlock. We're gonna get the trophy and leave. And he's like, and then I'm gonna shoot both guards in the back of the head. And they're like, dude, you're not. You're the driver now. You're staying in the car. He's like, oh, you want me to drive? You want me to run him over? You want to drive through it? No, dude. We're gonna actually take the keys with us. It's gonna be really inefficient, but you're crazy. Like uh, John Hamm and Baby Driver. Yeah. So they're like, we're gonna we're gonna melt the trophy down if you don't give us our fifteen thousand dollars in ones and fives. What a confusing demand. So you shouldn't you shouldn't melt the trophy, guys. Later that day, Mears gets another phone call. So bring a ding ding. He's like, hello, uh, Jackson Mears or Joe Mears. My bad. Uh, who's this? And the guy's like, sup man, it's Jackson. And he's like, Jackson who? He's like, that's not important. Um, I know that I wrote ones and fives on that ransom note, uh, but I realize that'd be ridiculous. Can we change that to fives and tens, please? <laughs> so he gets a phone call being like, hey man, I just want to clear something up. That would be ridiculous to be ones and fives. I don't want to make you go through that. We joke a lot uh, about like, we sort of fantasy book what these people were talking about. Yeah. Because I honestly think that's some of the most fascinating stuff. Because like, in this situation, you know he hung up the phone and the other guy was like, what the fuck? Ones and fives? Ones and fives? What the fuck are we going to do with ones and fives? Yeah. Why would we want ones and fives? Oh, Ask for bigger bills. And are then we going to have back. an unlimited supply of uh, a vending machine money? And he's like, you got a point. Hey, dude, um... Not ones and fives anyway. Fives, fives and t- or fives and t- fives and tens. Also pepperoni. Yeah, exactly. It feels like he's calling. In a, he fucked up the pizza order. He's like, hey, I'm the guy who just called. I need to add garlic knots to that. I'm so sorry. And he's like, uh, Jackson. Sorry, this is Jackson's phone. He said, remember, dude, um, if you call the police or the press, we're gonna melt this trophy down, and we're never gonna get our fives and. T- we're still set up. Fives and tens. All right. Uh, I'll imagine, talk to you tomorrow. Love you. Nowadays, bye. if you ask, <laughs> love you imagine today if you ask for a ransom in tens. Can I have it? Big, I don't think so. I don't think they have that. I, I have kidnapped your son. I want $50,000, and I want it in $2 bills. <laughs> so, that's a lot. Okay. It's roughly 25,000 bills. And I want uh, it in nickels. <laughs> I want it in a plastic bag full of dimes. I want it, <laughs> I want it in gasoline. <laughs> I want in Wendy's cups full of gasoline. <laughs> I have stolen your son, and I want all the change that you keep in your center console. <laughs> it's like, fuck, that's a lot of change. I've been collecting that. No, so Mears gets off the phone with Jackson. He's like, oh, yeah, dude, you told me. Okay, cool. Fives and tens, ones and fives are too small. Don't contact the police. You'll melt the trophy. Gotcha. I'll talk to you later. Love you. Bye. Uh, he hangs up the phone and he's like, Hey, um, uh, Detective Inspector Charles Buggy of the Flying Squad. <laughs> Chucky Buggy. Chucky Buggy. We have some funny fucking names on we this do. show. Like, when we were talking about um, the Mafia Treasure two weeks ago, man, though, those are some, like, Alfredo-ass names. Skidmarks Malone and shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> Who was, what was the, uh, there was, like, Lanky. Lulu. You know? Yeah, Lulu. Skinny Legs Jimmy or some shit like that. The They're so funny. Yeah, so Charles Buggy being someone's real name. Yeah. It's because English people are the only people silly enough to have dumb names as real names. Well, that, to go back to the Olympics, that we're talking about sports, uh, there's a 32-year-old uh, trampoline-like artist, what do you call it, athlete in the Olympics, 
for China. Uh, right now, he just performed. He did very well. A couple he is, of days he's ago. He's awesome. He's His really name's good. Dong Dong. His name is Dong Dong. <laughs> His name is Dong Dong. Which is actually you don't know it, but that's the that's the sound at the end of just SVU. Dong Dong. 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 No, that's actually uh, him jumping on the trampoline. It goes Dong Dong. <laughs> Dong dong. We gotta stop. This is onomatopoeia. <laughs> we respect his name and stuff, but he's a great English, athlete. It's a funny ass name. The Vietnamese currency is also dong. It is. So that's very funny. Um, so Mears is like, yeah, dude, you told me, okay, fives and tens, you'll melt down the trophy. Cool, love you, bye. Hangs up, and he's like, hey, police. Hey, buggy. They, hey, Chucky buggy of hey, the flying squad. Hey, Chucky buggy of the flying squad. Um, I, I got this letter and the trophy lining, and also they asked me for, uh, like, change. Uh, can you help me out here? And he's like, yeah, uh, place the ad in the paper like they told you to. We'll keep an eye on it. And I need $15,000 in ones, fives, and tens. So, yeah, they called. Uh, the police then went to the bank, and they're like, hey, um, we need a false ransom payment. Uh, we need bundles of ordinary paper, but just with a bill on yeah, top and bottom. bottom. Yeah, bottom, yeah. And we need it in fucking fives and tens for some reason. <laughs> and we need $15,000 worth. And they're like, yeah, yeah, some we do here. Here you go. <laughs> One of the many services we offer. Uh, they got placed in a suitcase, and two police officers uh, were appointed as Mir's assistants. Like, they went undercover as his assistants. They handed the money over, and they sat at his house waiting for the next call. The the excuse is fantastic. The uh, His cover excuse was that he was having an asthma attack. That's why he couldn't be on the phone. It had to be one of his assistants. No, he did. He did. Oh, I thought that phone. was a cover because I thought the plan was to have mm -mm. them just talk to the cops who were the assistants. No, so he gets another phone call a little <laughs> later in the day and he is stressed the fuck out and yeah. he has an asthma attack. Oh, okay, so he legitimately had He an legitimately asthma. had an asthma attack. So his wife picks up the phone and she's like, oh, man, whose phone do I pick up here? I pick up the middle <laughs> phone. She's like, uh, hello? And he's like, hey, dude, it's uh, Jackson. You sound different. You okay? And she's like, well, actually, that's... Assistant McPhee. Yes. So uh, Charlie Buggy is like, hey, uh, is this Jackson? And he's like, yeah, hey, man, how's it going? Uh, what's, what happened to Mears? And he goes, asthma attack. You know, seasons. Uh, <laughs> he's like, um, so we going we gonna to do this or what? And Jackson's like, I don't know. I'm a little hesitant because you're not the guy I've been talking to. But, you know, we'll, we'll do a switch. Uh, you meet me since he's having an asthma attack. Uh, you meet me at Battersea Park. Uh, we'll meet at the gate. We'll go from there. And he's like, cool, sounds good. See you soon. Love you, bye. <laughs> Hangs up. So Buggy drives to the park, followed by a number of unmarked flying squad vehicles, and met Jackson. Uh, Buggy showed him the suitcase, and he was like, here you go. Here's definitely all your money. And he opened it up, and he's like, yep, this is totally, entirely 15,000 pounds. Or, yeah. 15,000 pounds in, in fives, fives and tens. tens. <laughs> uh, not noticing that most of the money's just scrap paper. I'd like to think it's like the pastel paper. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like a different like color. Pinks or like, and like highlighter paper. Well, for them, that would be the right colors. Yeah, like I guess pinks, so. and, pinks and yellows and stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's just American money. He's like, what the <laughs> fuck is this? It's smaller. So he's like, all right, so you saw your money. Let me see the trophy before I fully give you the money. And he's like, no. I won't. He's like, why? He goes, I won't have it. He's like, what do you mean you don't have it? Like, that was the whole thing. He's like, I'm not giving you this money. I don't want you to rob me. Like, I'm putting the money back, and you're giving me that trophy. And he's like, okay. So he gets back into the car, and he's like, I'll take you to where the trophy is. So on the way, uh, Jackson's sitting in the passenger seat, which 
ironically, is on this side because we're in the UK. Mm-hmm. And he notices in the rear view a van that's been following him. And he's like, I'm a little sketched out here. I bet that's Flying Squad. And so there's a traffic light at Kennington Park Road. Uh, and he was like, oh, you can stop right here. I'll, I'll hop out and I'll get the trophy. But he's like, all right. So he parks. Jackson gets out and starts walking. And as soon as he starts walking, the van stopped and disappeared around a corner. So he was like, okay. He gets I'm back in the followed, car. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to follow you. And he's like, mm-mm. He's like, okay, well, uh, get back in the car. We'll go. He's like, all right. So they start driving, and Jackson is 100. He's like, this is a sting. Yeah. This is 100% a sting. So they're driving down the road, and he just goes, just dives out of the car. <laughs> it's brave, man. It's a bold move. He just dives out of the car and just starts running them. And Buggy's like, fuck, and just starts chasing him in the car. <laughs> Jackson's barreling down the sidewalk, and he's like, <laughs> Finally, he, he ditches the car, chases him on foot, and captures him in the yard of a house. And he's like, hey, uh, guess what? Police. And he's like, yeah, dude, why do you think I ran? I knew that the whole time. I jumped out of a moving car. And he's like, you're under arrest. And he's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> Other officers came, uh, showed up, got Jackson, and started escorting him to the police station. And uh, they get to the police station with Jackson, and they walk in, and one guy's like, that's Edward Beachley. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, he was, so he was like a well-known local petty criminal. And mm-hmm. He's a used car salesman and yep. a fence and like a lot of other things. Who's been repeatedly convicted of oh, yeah, theft. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like, like a really long rap blood. sheet. And he was, so his story was that he was hired as a middleman because they were like, where is it? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't know, but I can take it to the person, which is... Yeah. Really, like when we're talking about movie tropes, like that's a that's a pretty potent one. But he, it, by all accounts, it does seem to be what he was. He looks yeah. like he was a local petty crim that they he, picked up for a price. He was like, I didn't steal it. Uh, I was holding on to it. He's like, if you let me go, I'll grab it. If you grant me bail, and they're like, No, dude, that's a dump. You already told us you were going to take it, us to it once. Yeah, you didn't. And then he ran away. <laughs> and he also his informant is so perfect. He just calls him the pole. Yes. Which we this entire time that we've we've said that you know this feels like a Coen Brothers movie, but maybe it's not. Maybe this is like a spiritual uh, prequel to Lockstock. Yeah. You know, maybe this is a Guy Ritchie movie. Speaking of dumb luck, Guy Ritchie. They kind of hit it nowhere with mm-hmm. Belchley or Betchley. He doesn't really have anything for him. They have nowhere to go. Uh, uh, they show him to the security guard and at they Central Hall, and they're like, him. that's not any yeah. of the guys we he saw. He wasn't the guy on the phone. So they're like, shit, what do we do? Well, on March 27th, David Corbett and his dog Pickles uh, were walking in uh, southeast London, and Pickles smelled something. And he ran over to it, and wouldn't you just fucking believe it, it was the Jules Rimet trophy wrapped in a bag under a porch. Yeah. And the dog found it right away. Mm-hmm. Way to go, Pickles. Let's give Pickles a quick round of applause. Good job, Pickles. Good job, buddy. Um, yeah, it was right under a hedge. Yeah. It was right in the owner in David Corbett's house. Yeah. It was the hedge underneath his porch in his house, and his dog was like, it is this a trophy? Is, is this something? Is, spelled, is this important? He spelled mozzarella, or not mozzarella, uh, mozzarella. He was like, I smell red sauce. This smells like something important. You should check this out. <laughs> this smells important. So what's even funnier is Corbett picks up this parcel. It's wrapped in a bag. He opens the bag. It's wrapped in newspaper and like twine. He opens it up and he's like, oh, weird. It's like this gold trophy thing. 
and he's looking up and down and he gets to the bottom of the base and he sees like England and Italy and Brazil and he's like Oh fuck! This is the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. He didn't recognize it. it at yeah, first. he said he said in his statement that he didn't recognize the trophy until he saw the winning teams on the bottom. And it's like, man, that is. Could you imagine if that happened with any other trophy? I brought up Grammys earlier. You know, those are pretty easy yeah. to identify. Stanley Cup. It's so. Yeah, I love thinking it's like you stumbled upon the Stanley Cup. The Stanley Cup gets stolen. It's Since lost. No one's seen it for a couple weeks. Shitty Boston or Chicago apartment. Yeah, uh, you're just walking around, you stumble upon the Stanley Cup, you take it home, you have it sent in, and your friend's coming over, and he's like, is that the Stanley Cup? And he's like, no, no, I just found this outside, like, I've been using it for a water glass. He's like, no, man, look at it. And he's like, yeah, it's just this big, tall... Wait a second. Oh, shit, is this the Stanley Cup? <laughs> it's filled up with I didn't flyers right there. I didn't realize it said the flyers <laughs> down there. Is that the... Is that the Red Wings? <laughs> oh, it's just Stanley Cup. So yeah, Stanley this Cup. big thing that's in the news. Yeah, it's like, like even if you didn't know, and you would know, because like most people don't know what all of the tr- important trophies maybe are called, but they know what they are. Yeah. You can look at an Oscar and know that what that trophy is. Everybody knows what it is. You know, I like to think uh, someone stumbles upon a Grammy and they're like, "Oh, this is weird." Beyonce, <laughs> is this a Grammy? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it could have been absolutely anything else. Oh, yeah, so it's like this world-famous, <laughs> one-of-a-kind trophy that's recently been stolen. It's in all, all over of the, the headlines. News. England is currently the possessor of this trophy as the most recent winner of the World Cup. And he's like, oh, oh <laughs> World Cup. Where's the thing for the top? <laughs> he's like, I didn't recognize it without the little <laughs> liner. salsa out of it at all. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I thought that was a salsa bowl. So he uh, then goes I've been using to, it as a mocha hete. He then goes to the local police station, uh, which has a problematic name, so I won't say it. But he goes to the police station. It's Gypsy Hill. It is. Uh, and he's like, hey, um, I found this. Is this important? <laughs> They're like, are you the what most the fuck aloof man on the planet? Like, give us that. Hey, guys, I found that news. Where uh, Jules Rimet, Rimet? I don't. I found this trophy. Hey guys, I think I found the the Earth Goblet. It's the thing in the news, you know, the Earth Goblet. What is it? Uh, you guys have a name for it? It's like Winnie. What's Jesus's <laughs> cup called? What's that? The Holy Grail. He's like, hey, I think I found the Holy Grail. <laughs> what it is. I don't think so. <laughs> no, it is. The Holy Grail is definitely Jesus' cup. It says world's best savior on it. It says number one son. <laughs> and, and on the other side father. it says number one dad. Yeah. <laughs> and the third side it says number one ghost. That's weird. He's like, hey guys, I found this, I think. And they're like, give us that. And they're like, yeah, this is the World Cup. Did you steal this? He goes, Nah, my dog found it. <laughs> and judging by how little this dude knew about it, it was probably very believable. Or immediately they're like, I mean, he didn't steal it. Look at him. He doesn't even know what it is. So uh, he, they did interrogate him. He did have an alibi, so he gets off scot-free. Um, and the police the next day were like, hey, guys, uh, world, no, you've been on the edge of your seat here. We, f- we found it. Uh, we have the World Cup. And everyone's like, ooh, you did it. Uh, and they're like, hey, uh, we're going to hold on to it for like another month. It's gonna stay with us for evidence until we find out who did steal it. And then we'll give it back to the Football Association. Um, They did return it to the Football Association right before the tournament started in July. 
So this all happened in the span of like three months. Yeah, man, it was brief. And uh, as a as a consequence, Pickles did become a minor celebrity, and we would like for that celebrity to be uh, reinvigorated. Yes. So please, by all means, everybody, look into Pickles. Rep Pickles. Make Pickles your avatar. Pickles is amazing. Uh, Hashtag. Was- Love pickles. He was brought um, once England won the tournament. So England won once again in July. Uh, when they had the celebratory meal afterwards, Pickles and his owner were both invited. Uh, pickles got to <laughs> David eat. was like, what am I doing out here? <laughs> <laughs> what is it? What is, what is this? It? Something? What is this? Like a... Am I graduating? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> he goes up. They're, they're like... They have the trophy on display. <laughs> and he just picks it up and he's like, this looks familiar. Someone's like, dude, you're the one who found the trophy. <laughs> oh, it's my salsa thing, England. <laughs> um, pickles, remember? Pickles actually gets to uh, eat off of David's plate at this. Like he gets his own little plate and eats after. As he deserved. Yes. He should have been knighted. He should have. Sadly, sadly, we're gonna take a real terse turn. Well, he's a dog. He's a dog, and all dogs go to heaven. And the brightest stars. And the next year. Yep. Pickles left this uh, World Cup. He did. He, this world. All Cup. trophy, all crime dogs go to heaven. All trophy dogs go to heaven. Yeah. Uh, he did unfortunately pass the next year. But did. they keep his collar. They yes. still have his collar on display. His collar is on display at the National Football Museum. Yeah, which is really cool. Um, and David Corbett attended uh, the player celebration dinner after the World Cup final, uh, received $6,000, and... The football association was like, "Hey, we should probably not have this happen again." So they <laughs> got a, to avoid this. They got a replica trophy um, okay. made for public events and public celebrations. And they also changed the rules of possession of the trophy. It went from whoever won it that year got to hang on to the trophy to the year for yes. the year to you got to do it for three years to prove your. This it's a weird rule. It's a weird rule. Yeah, because it doesn't prove you're more responsible. But mm-hmm. I guess the way they look at it is like if you win this thing four times in a row, you really should have the trophy. Yeah. So if you won it thrice. You could take the trophy home with you. Yes. Which is, I know you guys are thinking like, oh, it's been just about an hour. Pickles, the crime dog, this is the end. Incorrect. This is halftime. The trophy is about to get stolen again. Yeah. Uh, Edward Belchi uh, does get arrested. He then dies in 1969. Nice. Um, <laughs> of emphysema. Of emphysema. Yeah. Uh, we go in the future. Maybe one it was Belchley. One year after he dies, 1970. Yep. Uh, Brazil just wins the World Cup. They win the World Cup for the third time. And this is Pele World Cup. This is like, this is Brazil at the top of their game. Yes. This is legendary Brazil soccer. Brazil wins it for the third time. They have a hold of it. Uh, They keep winning. They're just on a winning streak. And in 1983, uh, they win again. They win again. It's in Brazil. It's super big moment. It gets stolen again. (laughs) So... Uh, we know who stole the trophy this time. It wasn't yeah, a- well, because it was much more... Well, the first time, too, like, while they weren't caught, it was a very formal exchange. Mm-hmm. The idea was, we want trophy, you give us money. It was yes. a pretty straightforward ransom. And a good and a good heist. Um, this one was, was a little more brazen. But yeah, they got to keep them... They had it for, what, 13 years? 13 years. Yeah, they just held on to it. They won for 16. Because you had to win for three to get it in the first place. Mm-hmm. It was pretty impressive, man. So, uh, a banker and a football club agent, although the club now was like, we never employed the guy. Uh, his name is Sergio Peralta. <laughs> to be c- clear, that's always the line that in any one of these FIFA scandals, it's always, that guy doesn't work for us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Sergio Peralta 
uh, is like, I'm going to get a crew together. I'm going to go roll Ocean's Eleven on this. <laughs> I'm going to get a crew together, and we're going to steal that trophy. It's like, it's been done before. We can do it again. So he goes to Chico Barbudo, who is an ex-police officer. He goes to a decorator, Luis Bigode, and he's like, hey, guys, we're going to steal this trophy. And they're like, we're going to steal the U.S. Constitution. So they wait till nighttime, and they show up to the Brazilian Football Confederation's building, where the trophy is being on display. And they're like, sounds familiar. Yeah. Uh, this time, though, the watchman is doing his rounds, and they just come up and knock him out. Just immediately <laughs> knock him out. And uh, Peralta steals the World Cup, and they also steal two lesser trophies that were being on display. Uh, Says you. Well, yeah. I mean, they're not the World Cup. <laughs> well, according to David Corbett, there is no World Cup. That's true. He's like, World Cup? I know that name somewhere. I've heard that before. So they steal these three trophies. And uh, later we know that uh, Antonio Seta, he was a safe cracker. He was asked by Peralta to join the team, too. They're like, hey, it might be in a safe. We need a safe cracker. And he's like, nope. <laughs> he's like, what do you mean? It's gonna be, we're going to steal the World Cup. It's a big thing. He goes, no. I'm a fucking patriot. We have held on to this trophy for years. It is against the country to steal the World Cup. I mean, it. that's... It's funny, you know, obviously with the stuff we cover, we talk about patriotism in a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's a pretty profound and acceptable version of patriotism. Like, yeah. I think that getting a gun and putting a flag on your shirt and driving up and down the street loudly, I don't think that's a good form of patriotism. This guy just wanted to keep his country good. And you know, he was proud of the fact that they were the champions, and he didn't want to do anything to ruin that. The other reason he didn't join the team is he's like, the last time we won the World Cup? My brother was so excited, he got up, started screaming, celebrating, cheering, had a heart attack and died in my living room. Oh, fuck. Yeah, well, he's like, for those two reasons, the fact that I'm a patriot and I love this country and that we, we won that trophy, and the fact that my brother celebrated so hard on us winning that trophy that he had a heart attack and died, yeah. I'm not joining your team. Damn. And that was for the best. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> because Tell him why. Only a couple days after the trophy gets stolen, they get arrested. They get arrested, and they're like, where's the trophy? And Peralta's like, oh, well, my buddy Juan Carlos Hernandez melted it down into gold bars. And they're like, you sure about that? Because they go made to out of sterling silver. They go to Hernandez, and they're like, hey, Hernandez, uh, Peralta told us you melted down the World Cup. Is that true? And he's like, no. He's <laughs> like, you can check my, like, foundry, like, See, and they checked it, they analyzed all the gold, and they're like, this is none of the gold that was plated on the trophy. And also, you can't melt down a silver trophy into gold bars. Yeah. Just doesn't work that way, unless you get into some alchemy. <laughs> yeah, there's not enough gold in there. So, uh, yeah, it's not solid gold. It was just plated, couldn't be melted into bars. And uh, according to Pedro Berwanger, uh, the Brazilian federal police officer who led the investigation, he's like, if you melted it down, you're destroying its worth. Yeah, that's not it's why it's It's worth something because it's the World Cup. It's, to, this, to me, feels like stealing art. Stealing a trophy feels just like stealing art. Because I would imagine that the resale market's got to be relatively similar. Because there's yeah. such a small number of people that can buy stolen art. And I, or I shouldn't say small, but a specific type and group of people that would oh, yeah. buy stolen art. And I feel like the same is true of this trophy. Because like, a painting isn't worth the canvas it's painted on. 
well, just like this trophy. I mean, even when it was insured, this trophy was insured for ten times what it's actually worth. Exactly. And that's because the value is in the fact that, I don't know, it's the fucking World Cup. Well, that's the no, thing with any collectibles. Like last week in uh, my news articles when we started, uh, Billy the Kid, the gun that yeah. killed Billy the Kid was up for auction. What was it, three million? Three million dollars. Yeah. So if I'm like, hey, you want to buy this really old gun? You're like, no. And I'm like, hey, you want to buy this really old gun? that killed Billy the Kid, and you're like, yeah, I'll pay a lot of money for that. that. That's why Abe Lincoln was born in five different states in the Midwest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we need something. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it would be dumb to melt it down and be like, hey, you want to buy the silver ingot? No. Hey, you want to buy the World Cup? Hell yeah, I do. Yeah, it's like when we were talking about um, the DB5 that's still missing, the Goldfinger mm -hmm. one. And that's obviously in some, I know the prevailing thought is that it's in some collection in the Middle East or whatever, but it's in some rich person's house, yeah. That's definitely where it has to be. It's the only place it could exist and not be, you know, I mean, it could be at the bottom of the ocean, sure, but. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, but I really doubt that. I highly doubt it. So, all of them were arrested. Uh, all, Hernandez was arrested too. Um, and when all of them received their charges, they fled. They're like we're not serving. We're not serving time. These guys are like the most crimmy crims because like the first group were pretty professional. Other yeah. than the what? Oh, we wanted salami. Sorry. Other than the ones and fives mix up, you know. But they didn't get caught, and they yes. did almost get their money. And even when their middleman got caught, they still didn't get caught. So that's pretty respectable. These guys, no. They punched a guy in the nose, got arrested three days later, and then fled as soon as they were charged. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so they all got their comeuppance. Uh, Chico was uh, shot to death in 1989 by five men in a bar. That's, I mean, that's, that's tying up loose ends. Yeah, that was a hit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Luis was rearrested and then was let go from jail in 1998. Okay. Uh, Antonio died in a car accident in 1985 as he was on his way to testify. In the case. In that case. Yeah. It feels like a lot of tying up loose ends. The jail thing feels like a warning. Oh, yeah. Like, you went to... Because, I mean, we're talking about uh, Brazilian jail? We're not talking about... And if you guys want to know a little bit about Brazilian jail, there's a handful of YouTube videos and documentaries about it, but jail in Brazil is fucking nuts. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm burpy. Sorry. It's, well... It's, Brazilian jail. <laughs> That's how bad he doesn't want to go. Bad at jails, good at nuts, man. Brazil nuts, delicious. Brazilian jails, terrible. Nuts and butts. Thanks, Brazil. Nuts and butts. Ends up getting arrested, not for that crime, but when he goes in, they're like, hey, man, did you melt down the World Cup? And he's like, nope. They're like, where'd all this other gold come from? He goes, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so they arrest him. Uh, he then gets released uh, shortly after the theft. He buys an upper-class, luxurious estate in a, a really fancy Rio neighborhood. Okay. And he's like, how'd you guys pay for this? And he goes, shit, I keep making these mistakes. <laughs> so he flees to France. And in 1998, uh, he gets arrested in uh, Sao Paulo at a bus station for drug trafficking. Um which he got arrested for the exact same thing in France when he was there, too. Man, this so guy. Like, he's so bad at being such a high-profile criminal. Uh, he then gets freed in 2005, and he's like, well, at least I never went to jail for that whole trophy thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was one of his pride points. He's like, I never got any penalty for receiving stolen goods with the, the trophy case. Um, and then last but not least, Peralta himself, yeah. was uh, he was arrested and freed from jail in 1998 
and then in 2003 died of a heart attack. Okay, so, so two dudes die, one in a car crash on his way to testify. Yep. The other guy's taken out in a bar. Yep. Which feels like a hit, but it was five guys, so it also could have just been a fight. Yeah. Um, and the other two, you know, one gets arrested and continues to be a fucking idiot. Yeah. Uh, Who had end. nothing to do with the crime. Yeah, and it just sort of, well, yeah, but was associated with those guys. Yeah. It makes me wonder if Peralta didn't silence the other two dudes, you know, because why, why is he the only guy standing that didn't have any trouble? Yeah. Yeah, because all he had was a heart attack in 03. So maybe Peralta was the, the guy fucking with him afterwards. But So the trophy hasn't been found. No. Since it still has never been found. The original Jules Rimet tro- trophy exists out there in the world. Obviously, the World Cup has since been replaced. It's actually mm-hmm. been redesigned since as well. It has. Yeah. Uh, there was a replica of the trophy uh, presented in 1984. And they're like, hey, guys, it got stolen again. We don't know where it is. This is what we're going to have to do in the meantime. Until, of course, um, they made a new one. They designed a new one. Yeah, it's the FIFA. one you probably know of. It's the ball with, like, the tendrils wrapping down it. Yep. Um, but to say it completely hasn't been recovered would be a lie. Yeah, that's true. Uh, they found right the base. Yes, they found uh, one piece of it. It was the lapis base, um, and it is currently being held in the FIFA headquarters in Zurich, um, and has been there since 2015. My wager on that is that the person who has the Rimei trophy probably just put it on a way cooler base. Yeah. Yeah, because again, I think it's probably part of a big display. There's probably... Some huge soccer fan or maybe club owner or something. I mean, there's a lot of club ownership in the Middle East. A lot of Saudis own a lot of soccer teams. Yeah. Um, you know, the Khan family owns a few of them. It would be really funny if the Khans had this. Um, Khan? Yeah, Khan. Uh, well, the, those Khans, Shad and Tony. Um, but, yeah, it, I mean, the likelihood that it's sitting in some big trophy room or beautiful, you know, museum in somebody's house. Yeah. I just refuse to believe that's not where it is. What do you think? Where do you think it is? It's hanging up in uh, Martin Scarelli's jail cell right next to the yeah. unreleased Wu-Tang. No, that's room. gone now. That's been sold. The government sold it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it looks like RZA bought it. Interesting. Yeah. But they paid more for it than, yeah, well, whatever. It's back now. Yeah. Once upon a time in Shaolin, we'll finally get to hear it. Uh, yeah, I also like the idea that much like the the Boston art heist, there's some shitty uh, English apartment like on the south side of London that in some project where that trophy has been sitting on somebody's wall yeah. for f- fucking, you know, what, 40 years now? Yeah. Yeah. I think it'd be funny if uh, Pickles' owner switched it out. Corbett? Corbett. Yeah, he's he switched like, out the trophy. He's like, I got no fucking clue what this is. <laughs> like he was playing really what if he was the thief and he was playing dumb the entire time oh. and the way he got off was he was like I'm gonna play dumb and I'm gonna pretend the dog found it yeah because nobody everybody like, will just be excited look at us two idiots everybody will be distracted by the cute dog and they won't at all understand that I was the I bet he that's, realized that's my final theory he David realized, Corbett's the one who fucking stole it he realized he wasn't gonna get that. the money yep and in the end he made half the money yep. they gave him 6,000 pounds yeah that's a good plan. That is a good plan. I wonder if he got it in fives and tens. Do you think he oh, asked for it that way? They're like, six grand. And he's like, hey, is there hey, way I can get fives and tens? And, <laughs> and they're like, that's a weird request, but sure. No, that's an excellent term. I, th- I think he did it. I that's fine. I think Pickles I think Pickles and David are the ones who stole the trophy. Or it's David and his mates. And I think David gave up the ghost. And when he realized it wasn't going to happen, took yeah. a little bit of the cash. For all we know, might have split it with the crew. And... 
wasn't heard from again. He got celebrated. The dog, the pickles, pickles might have played party to stealing this trophy, and he ate off their plates at ate their the table. He, he might be he just the the hands that feed him. He's the iciest dog that's ever lived. Ooh. Well, I wonder. So, <laughs> ice cold like killer. What happened is uh, he steals it. He sells the insert, the salsa to, cup. To well, yeah, he sells the salsa insert. To um, Edward, Edward tries to make a buck off of it. When that doesn't work, uh, David's like, "That's not going to work. I'm just going to turn it in. They'll probably give me a reward." That'd be an excellent way to, to like think of anything that comes. Because why parts. would it be in a bag in his hedge? Yeah, who's this guy? If you steal, if we went and stole the Stanley Cup, if we stole the, if we stole the Constitution. Uh, here's a fun fact for listeners of the show. Uh, my uncle is at the very end of National Treasure, the first one. He's the security Thanks. guard when Nicolas Cage comes out. That guy is my uncle. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, it, man, why would it be at his house? Like, there's no reason you wouldn't... That's a real weird place to hide something you just stole. Yeah. And just some guy's hedge. Well, imagine... And it's not like they ditched it. Stealing, a like, a famous painting, taking it out of the frame, giving the frame to someone and be like, hey, uh... Give this frame to the police. Say you have the painting and you want ransom for it. Watching that not turn up, he gets arrested. The frame gets, like, taken. And he's like, okay, cool. Rolls the painting up. And he's like, hey, I, I was out on a walk and I found this stuffed into my a garbage can. My dog found My dog found this in a garbage because can. Because my dog finding it is the perfect smokescreen. Yeah. Because the dog's cute. You're going to immediately be distracted by the dog. Mm -hmm. And the story is a lot more compelling because the news is going to run with it right away. It would muddy the story. It would be really hard to tell a straight story. I mean, look at the news today and it, you can see how the... The news story should always be the same, right? Yeah. And, like, when they're differing, it gets confusing. And I think if they were just focusing on the doc... This dude did it. He's the one who stole the fucking trophy. That's hilarious. And he still has it. Yeah. I bet he went back and got it. He probably got it from these guys. Maybe he's the one who put him up to it. What if he's the one that killed them all? Maybe he is. Like, so, you can easily... This Maybe he killed Pickles. Maybe Pickles knew too much. Pickles, did, Pickles was going to talk. <laughs> he was getting his belly rubbed by a cop. But hey, Ch 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 Chucky Diggy, or whatever the hell his name was. Chuck Buggy. Chuck Buggy. Chucky Buggy of the Flying Squad was but, rubbing Pickles' stomach, and he was going to talk. That's the thing. There are multiple ways you can force someone to have a heart attack. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And as we talked about extensively last week, there are a lot of ways to poison a person mm -hmm. that will make it look like they're having a heart attack. So... This is our new theory here. <laughs> David Corbett steals the trophy, yep. frames another man, gets a reward, gets famous, sees the trophy get stolen, finds out, kills everyone involved, yep. and now has that trophy. Actually, we figured it out. Yeah. We figured it Fucking out. Fucking A. I love it when we solve one. We haven't solved one since James Dean, and this feels Flying good. Flying Squad, look into him. Yeah. I think the man's lying to you. Look in his basement, look in his attic, look in his butt. We're telling you, reopen the case. David, David's the one who took it. Him and Pickles. You heard it here first, folks. If they find out that he has this trophy. We called it. We called it. We would like a reward in fives and tens. <laughs> in ones and fives, please. In $2 bills. We'll take our money in $2 uh, bills. If you could give me like a handful of like quarters. <laughs> Loose uh, change. I want it to be an assortment. Uh, I'll take dice. 
Speaking of dice. Yes. Oh, hey, is it riddle time? It's riddle time. Thanks so, for, uh, by the way, thanks everybody. That was fun. It was a really fun case. If you have fun. any, let us know in the comments where you think the trophy is and what you think might have happened to it. Maybe who has it now. Who you think stole it. Let us know if you think we're right about Pickles and David being the ones behind all of it. And uh, yeah. I think we are right. It's a great one. Dude, I really think so, too. I like it when we come upon the solution while we're talking about yeah. the story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We did not plan that. Like, <laughs> no, that literally really came to sense. us. In, yeah. So. Riddle time. Riddle time. Last week's riddle was, what has six faces but not wear makeup, has 21 eyes but cannot see? Uh, the answer is a dice. It's a die. It's a dice. Six-sided die. You have 21 eyes. Um, this week's, what has a neck but no head and two arms but no hands? about it think about it guys all right well thank you so much we will see you next next week and who knows we might have some stuff in between until then be good we love you